Hello, Yogi. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Aiko, and on this show, we explore ways to put spiritual theory into sustainable practice. Welcome, Sham, to this wonderful series. Very appreciated from the audience. Thank you. Very nice to be here again. So, um, let's recap a little bit what we said last time. Yeah, so we uh, we left off uh, finishing the sixth chapter, which is about um, kind of very um, intense yoga practice. Mm, yeah, and we can say also we are kind of ending the first part because the Bhagavad Gita is divided in the first six chapters, the second sixth and the last six. So in this first sixth chapter... Uh, the Bhagavad Gita is talking about the person in relation to Krishna, so about us, how we should practice. While this now sixth chapter that we have ahead, they will talk more about Krishna himself, is that correct? Yes, yes there is more focus on the, the individual souls, uh, like all of us uh, living beings in this world. In the first six chapters mm. but talking about both god and the soul yes so in the in these middle six chapters it is still going to talk about uh, god and the souls but with more uh, emphasis on god himself mm. okay so what is happening now in the seventh chapter yes so the the last verse of the sixth chapter uh, was where Krishna tells Arjuna that those who become devoted to God are the best of yogis. And here in the seventh chapter, Arjuna doesn't speak at all. Krishna just um, kind of keeps elaborating on uh, on that point from the last verse of the sixth chapter. So, so it is made into a chapter of its own, but it's 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 kind of like an elaboration on on the last verse of the sixth chapter. Okay, so what he's saying, what is the teaching? Yes, so this chapter is called the yoga of knowledge and realization. Mm. Because we can have knowledge, but then uh, it's one thing to have theoretical knowledge and another thing to, to realize it. So there is like an example given to explain that term. Uh, those terms, it's jnana and vijnana in Sanskrit, knowledge and realization. One example that's given sometimes is that we all know that we're going to die. So that's knowledge. Mm. Uh, but if your doctor tells you that you will die in a week then that's like a realization like you understand oh like it's mm. really happening like it's real <laughs> it's uh, mm. I understand now what it means so uh, Krishna begins by saying that now he's going to give more confidential knowledge than he has given before uh, so far in the Bhagavad Gita and he then kind of gives an idea of how like rare it is to hear this kind of knowledge and realize this kind of knowledge um, he is saying that uh, out of a thousand people maybe one person is interested in spiritual realization and out of a thousand such people who have spiritual realization or who are interested in spiritual realization hardly anyone knows him in truth then he is kind of giving a an outline of 
what exists in this world. He's kind of giving a list of ingredients, uh, like a list of ingredients of the world, <laughs> basic ingredients of the world, and saying that he is the source of all of them. Those are his um, kind of separate material energies. So he says those are water, earth, fire, ether, air. Then he talks about more subtle elements, so the mind, uh, the intelligence, and the ego. Then he says that everything in this world is resting on him, just like pearls are uh, strung on a thread. So just like if you have a necklace, you don't see the thread, but you see all the pearls. So in, in the same way, we, we are looking at this world and the whole universe, but we are not seeing the string that is keeping it all together. And he is telling, saying that it's, it is he who is that supporting principle. That's very beautiful and poetic. Can you elaborate on this? Yeah, he, he elaborates on it himself in the following verses here. So like regarding these like basic elements in, uh, in Indian philosophy, those are um, related to the different senses. So for example, the earth element is connected to the sense of smell. Mm. Uh, the water element is connected to the sense of taste. The fire element is connected to the sense of seeing, uh, sight. Um, the air element is connected to touch, and uh, ether is connected to hearing. Mm. So he's kind of in the fo in the following verses. He's describing like I am the the original fragrance of the earth. So it means that everything mm. you smell is is um, portion, a partial portion of God. <laughs> yes. And then, like uh, everything you you taste, um, he is the t the original taste of water. Everything you see, he is the light that comes from the sun. Everything you touch is from him. Uh, it's like the yeah, the, <laughs> the sense of touch is based in him. Everything you hear, so he is the sound in ether. And um, yes, he he gives more like. He gives many examples like this, like of everything that exists. He is the seed. He is the intelligence uh, in those who are intelligent. He is the strength of the strong. He is the ability in humans. He is the life in all that lives. So, you would say? Would you say that because he's he's kind of in everything and everywhere? So therefore. He's the connection, he's the thread that keeps all together. Yeah, or you could see it the other way, and because he's the thread, he's in everything. Mm. As he's saying, he is not, he, he explains later in the chapter that he is not dependent on anything, and he's not touched by any. For example, uh, because if you say that God is in everything, then someone may ask, oh, is he also in, in the bad things, in the, <laughs> mm. in the wars, and in the... And in a, in a sense, yes, he is in everything, but it's um, but it's not that he is at fault for the things we, we consider faulty. It is also part of him to give over willpower to us, and yeah. then we act. And how could you? How can you explain the fact that he's in everything, but also we are part of this everything? Like you just say now that he gave us. A kind of free will in something so how do you see the difference and in the same time God in everything it's hard to understand 
Yes, it is hard to understand. It's he says it's actually impossible to understand mm. the, uh, this world unless you turn to him because he is the one who can, since he is the one controlling the world, he can enlighten you about how the world is working. So he says, other than that, like there is no way to kind of see through this world, like it's it's kind of like you're in. Uh, he says, like all living beings are kind of born into illusion, mm. and you can't see through that illusion if uh, unless he shines that light for you. So how do you how do we get there? Is up to him or is up to you? Well, it's up to you to to turn to to ask him for that. <laughs> it's uh, cooperation between us and God. Mm. Thank you. So so in the kind of in the rest of the chapter, he's talking about who will. And who will do this? Who will surrender to him and, and ask him to, to kind of sh- show them the reality of this world? And it's, and it, it's those who have, who have been hearing, hearing this kind of teaching and who have been um, practicing in some way for like lifetimes to kind of gradually build up an understanding of this reality that he is talking about. And when th- when when such people come into certain situations that kind of pushes them to to pray, then they do so while while others who are in the same situation may not do that, and may may kind of turn to other things for shelter, mm. such as like if you're if you're in suffering, if you need money, if you. Yeah, was it this chapter where he said that uh, people turn to me for? Three different reasons. It's, yes, uh, th- three reasons. Like you could say, two things are like kind of outer circumstances. Like if you if you are suffering, I mean, uh, suffering is of course an inner thing also. But <laughs> but I mean, if you if you have if you're having yeah, big big yeah time. yeah hard times. Yes, I totally understand. Yeah, and you're suffering. Then then if you have if you have kind of built up some kind of understanding of this knowledge uh, over over lifetimes then you will turn to you will turn to krishna in in that in that situation yeah or if you need money because you're in, you need, in need of money, money. <laughs> <laughs> you're <laughs> poor and you need money yeah and you may you may, you may pray to you know, pray to krishna for that yeah um or like if if you're inquisitive like you're you're kind of curious about about the meaning of life and the kind of the big mysteries curious you're asking and uh, then you may turn to turn to krishna for the kind of knowledge you're seeking and also the th- the fourth one is like not really a circ- circumstance like it's it's more like that this um knowledge has kind of matured mm. you you have mature knowledge of yourself uh, of your soul and and it's just time. It's just the time is just ripe, so to speak. Like you have a good insight in in yourself and into the world, and you turn to Krishna because you see that that's that's like the next step. Mm. Naturally. Okay. Then what? How he continues in the chapter? Yeah, he um, he finishes up kind of by saying that he. If if someone is not yet at that point where they want to turn to the kind of final solution, like to kind of talk to the one who is behind the curtain of of this this whole universe, <laughs> but they want kind of 
smaller solutions, more immediate solutions, then they, they will pray to other manifestations of, of God in this world. And Krishna says that he, if they are not ready to, to meet him yet, their kind of ultimate uh, shelter, then he, gave, he gives them the faith they need to go the paths they need to go and, yeah. and, and makes them strong on their own paths. Yeah, because in Hinduism there are many, many gods that you can pray for different reasons, right? There is the goddess of knowledge, the god of... Um, the goddess, the Lakshmi, or... There are many goddesses and gods that you that you pray for different reasons. Yes. Yes, mm. there, there is said to be something like 33 million gods... Wow. Of course, uh, I guess a few hundred of them are maybe there are statues and things for it, like that they are you know, mm -hmm. but but it said thirty three million because for every kind of function there is there's a god for that function. Like sometimes it said like there's one god that controls the blinking of eyes <laughs> or things like that. Yeah. So like everything that's has a function in this universe it's related to some kind of god who is taking care of that function. Okay. And uh, in in the end, he, like he says, that, that those who follow these other paths, their their uh, attainments are temporary. But he is like the the final goal, and uh, and there there is no like you know set time that people have to realize him that 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 will come as it comes. Like people will will go other paths, go other ways, but finally, they may find their kind of ultimate shelter in Krishna. Mm. So what can we say that it's the teaching behind this chapter? Why it is called like this? Why it's called knowledge and realization? Yeah, yeah. It is. He he's giving this the, the kind of knowledge he's given there is all these things that that he is the shelter of the whole world, that everything is resting on him as pearls are resting on a thread, mm. and then he's giving all those examples. So that is knowledge. But then to to like uh, like realize that you have to you have to practice you have to practice remembrance of that and and you have to kind of practice kind of uh, a respect for that and and then you will have you will like, you will like experience these things for yourself like not just in theory. Mm. Can you give some practical example? Oh, well, for example, when you're drinking water, you can think Krishna is the the, the taste of water. When you smell something, you can like remember, uh, like, oh yeah, this is Krishna is the original fragrance, and so on. But to, but to but to actually have realization of that is another thing. Like when when it comes, like when you kind of spontaneously understand, like when when you, when you spend spontaneously experience that as like fragrance as uh, as Krishna, for example. So like when you when you can realize, like I hear many times. People saying, yeah, because God is everywhere. And they, people who say that, they, they might have had some, some kind of deep realization and they could see that and experience that. So is this, what is this yoga about in chapter 7? Yes, it's uh, like our friend uh, Tim Kenty says, this is like the, actually like the basic kind of yoga is to understand that we are all living inside a cathedral, like that the world is a cathedral. Mm. You know, because you know, someone may say like, why should we build a church 
for example, or a temple or a mosque if God is everywhere. And that is because we, we are not like we are not able to see God everywhere. So we create one place that is that uh, that we uh, use as a focus. Like we know that when we're in there, we're like we're in the house of God, so to speak. But mm. but the goal is to un- to un- to understand that actually this whole world is a temple, mm. and the body is a temple, and um, the ultimate step also realization is to see God everywhere. Yes. So because and like the importance of this is that like let's say when we're in this, if you go to a church. You know, you naturally have some kind of, you know, respect. Like you don't do things in the church or in the mosque or in the temple that, uh, that you would maybe do in other places. So it's kind of like a shelter also for your, like, like it's a shelter from yourself in a sense, like <laughs> from your, let's say, ignorant self, like your ignorant side. But the goal is to understand that the temple is everywhere. There is nowhere where you wouldn't act <laughs> the way that you do when you're kind of in front of the altar at a mm-hmm. temple so it's it uh, it takes away desire to kind of exploit other things and and uh, like nature and people which are actually just expressions of having lost yourself because like we are we are actually f- full in ourselves we don't need any like speak like strictly speaking like on a soul level uh, we don't need anything material to to survive but as we are in in like material bodies then we are kind of forced to you know eat other things to to kind of maintain our own selves but to to like understand to kind of understand that we are we are taken care of there is no one we have to fight with because god is everywhere and everything is fine yeah, this can be sometimes a little bit misunderstood because we have to remember the compassionate part. Like it's not that because God is everywhere then everything is fine, those people can fight or this population can have war because anyway God is everywhere. It's not really that way, right? Yeah, and and that's also like like why it is why it is like stressed to to for example have a temple is is that um you understand that in the temple you don't fight mm. uh you understand that it's it is it's not appropriate to to fight inside a temple or fight inside a church it's Wh- like if you afterward you you enlarge your temple like you start for a small place which you, you make it sacred and then slowly you make it more bigger more bigger and then part of your entire life yes exactly so 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 yes like seeing you know like if you say oh there's like war in some other country but we should understand that everything is fine it it doesn't mean oh everything is fine in Mm. in that country where they are having war (laughs) Mm. the point is more that oh like the way that they can be helped those who are in a war is if they understand that they are inside a temple. Mm. Very beautiful, thank you. So maybe you can now introduce a little bit of chapter 8? Yes, uh, a little bit, a sneak yeah. peek. <laughs> yes. yeah. Because it ends here, um, this chapter 7 ends by saying that that those who 
who kind of understand the things talked about in this chapter, they, they can feel God's presence. Like, if you can feel God's presence, you know, everywhere, the chapter ends by saying that you will feel him also at the time of death. Mm. So in the eighth chapter, it's gonna, going to continue by talking about next life, how, how, you, how your next life will be um, determined by how you kind of live in this life and how you die. Mm. Like, at the moment of death, you will kind of show what you have learned during this life, if you have, like, learned your lessons and, mm. uh, and so on. Very exciting. Mm. Okay. Thank you very much, and see you next time. See you. Bye. I hope this episode fulfilled its purpose of inspiring you. If you like it, feel free to share it, give a review or a rating, subscribe. And if you have any questions, please get in touch at aikoyogareiki.com. Namaste.